You know, I was, um, just share a little personal things that have been happening in my life. I've been, I've been writing a book, and I know this has to be God, because number one, I don't even like reading books. No, I do, I do like reading books. But I, I just never thought I would write a book, and I was challenged over a year ago to write down what the Lord was doing in my life. And, and I tried, I tried and I would sit down on the keyboard and I would try to write all these things that were happening and, and, um, and it seemed like it just would stall. And, and after about a year of trying, I even had a friend ask me, how's that book coming along? And I said, ah, you know, it's there. And, um, but then God laid a thought on my heart about what if Genesis was correct? What if Genesis 1 was correct? And, and, and it just, to me, it's like king, and I just ate it up, and I just started getting into the creation story, and it's, it's pretty ironic that it's the one story that there are different views about how this world was created, and there are different opinions about how it was created. Even in the church world, there's so many scholars that go back and forth and tell us that it's literal, it's a framework, it's all these different things, and and they have all these different views, and, and even to the point where it is a polarizing story. It's a controversial story. And I thought, isn't that funny? That the one person who was there, who told us his story, and you can write that as history, his story, the one person who told us his story, God, we can't take him at his word. I mean, I can take everything at the word of, of the Lord. I, when, when we talk about the seas being parted, no big deal. I don't have to go out and, and try to contact our local weatherman and find out how a storm can separate the seas. You know, I don't have to, you know, go out and consult a doctor when Jesus raised someone who was dead for four days. I don't have to go out and, and you know, I don't have to run the little house on prayer and contact Dr. Baker and see how it's possible. I don't need any other professional opinions when it comes to believing the text of the Bible. But I always had a problem when it came to the creation story because of all the different views and different things. And so God challenged me about a year ago, what if Genesis 1 was correct? And, and it's, it's kind of illogical to think about it that way because we know it is correct, whether we understand it or not, or whether we can imagine it or not. And so I started going through this and, and and as I'm going through this, and I'm not going to talk about this today, but I just I want to show you what's on my heart this morning, because I think it ties in. As I was going through all these things, if you notice everything that the Bible describes in, in the sky, above our atmosphere, what we would think of right away is outer space, the sun and the moon and the stars, everything that he describes are what was called luminaries, lights in the sky. And they had several purposes. They had, number one, to govern the day and the night. And even though for three days before they were created, they already had day and night. And so, but now they're to govern the day and the night. And they are also to serve as a calendar so that we know that what time of season it is and, and, and and if you, there's a lot of people, even the Jews still go off of a lunar calendar. And, 
And it works out perfect. I mean, there's no there's no leap here in the Jewish calendar because it's a lunar calendar. Um, but when we follow a solar calendar, we have to add a leap year every four years. You know, man, I, I always hoped I was bored on February 29th because I act like a four-year-old. You know, you know, comes around like a four-year-old or four years. But but then he talks about the stars, and so I'm writing this book, and I I I mentioned that where are planets in the Bible, and and when you look at it, there's only one popular verse in Second Kings that talks about planets, but when you look at the underlying Hebrew word, and you can trust me because I am a master of the Hebrew language. Actually, I studied Hebrew language in, in Bible school, and I minored in Hebrew language. And, and don't ask me to speak it, don't ask me to pull up my and read from it because I can't anymore. But you know what that underlying word for planet is that a lot of translations translate as? Stars. Lights. So everywhere in the Bible you see, whenever it was referred to up there, and so I started to think about this. Why are planets so important? Why are planets so important? And if you look at NASA's website, and I know you guys just love to just go to NASA and check that out for fun. She hears this all the time. She like, please, just finish the book, please. But they love looking at planets because why? They're always searching for life. And I think it's pretty ironic that we always point our, our instruments up to look for intelligent life. I thought they were supposed to work for NASA, but anyways, they're always looking up for intelligent life. And, and they say that they're always looking for life. Why is this, why am I bringing this up? It's because of this. And this is what I was literally typing this morning as I was supposedly getting ready for church. They're always looking for life. Why? Because if they can find life somewhere else, then God is not needed. If they can find life somewhere else, then the Bible isn't true. But I know that the Bible is true, and I know this, that Jesus Christ came to die for the sins of Adam and Eve. He didn't come to die for the sins of these people from different worlds and different planets and different things because NASA tells us there are trillions and trillions of planets and, and stars and, and each star has planets and, and they're looking for life, 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 life. And I thought, isn't it funny that the simple story that Jesus came to die for us because of the sins of Adam, that the first Adam, death was brought into this world, but the second Adam is a life giving spirit, Corinthians tells us. Jesus. And so, as I'm writing, I'm talking about, so are there, is there another life out there? No. There's not life out there. Because God created us here. There's no aliens out there. Because then God would have to send another Messiah to die for them. And so I start talking about, but then we start researching to alien abductions. I start researching alien, and I'll tell you this, their experiences are real. They have real experiences. It's just, it may not be real as far as aliens, but, but to them, if you ask anyone, they truly believe this is what happened, and they were abducted. And I, I just noticed a trend that when it came to alien abductions or astral plane, you know, and Marvel has made it really 
interesting with you know Doctor Strange and you know you start learning about astral plane and all that's all new age stuff. Or you have this experience outside the body. So alien abduction and astral plane and, and all these out-of-body experiences, all these un unexplained spiritual phenomena, do you know what they all have in common? They reject the name of Jesus. All of them. And so, yes, I do believe that people have unexplained spiritual encounters. I read a book called The Second Coming of the New Age about a guy who was Baptist and growing up as a Baptist, and then he he wandered from the faith and he started getting into all this New Age stuff, and, and he was experiencing astral plane. He said he literally was out of his body and, and being able to overhear different conversations and he could repeat what they were saying and verify that the next day he would go and he would visit into another person's room and he would see what was inside the rooms and then verify the next day and he started getting into these 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 really spiritual things that he would he would call astral mind and finally he was moved into a neighborhood and he was living with another couple. So there was, there's about five people in this house, the newborn baby and his wife and this other couple, and they're sharing this home. And this one night he gets up and he, he begins to go in his neighborhood in the, in a spiritual sense. He's going through his neighborhood. And for the first time he sees these beings that are there and he called them monster like, but they weren't scared. And finally, he's going and he's going through the neighborhood. And one of these beings come up to him and said, um, Listen, if you ever need help finding your way, let us know. We'll help you. And he said, No, thank you. Thanks. And he goes back into his body. And you know what happened after that? He said that all of a sudden, cupboards start flying open, dishes start going everywhere. People, they felt like demons were just brushing against them everywhere. It was like the gates of hell opened up and I was running through it. And not only did he see it, his little daughter started to scream, his wife started to scream, his other, the couple of there were all screaming, they're all huddled in the thing, and they said things were flying around him and tearing up. Why? Because he rejected the help of these monsters. And he says that it was so bad that they were so afraid. All he remembered as a little boy growing up in a Baptist church was this name. And he said, please help Jesus. And at once, it all stopped. And it never happened again. Because at that moment, he says, Jesus, if you're real, please come in my life. I give you my heart. Please be my savior. I need you. And he says he never had those experiences again. I'm telling you, there are things we can't explain, but it's not because of aliens, it's not because of different life forms out there, it is because there is an enemy that we have that is trying to kill, steal, and destroy, and he is the one that Revelation tells us, the one, the dragon, the serpent of the old that led the whole world astray, and he's trying to hide it in, in astral plane and alien abductions and all this stuff, but it's from the heart and the pit of hell, and Jesus said that I have come to give you victory over that, and that there is nothing in this world that is greater than me. That's why you can do all things from Christ who gives you strength. That's why you are an overcomer. Even though the world and the devil may try to make you feel like it is impossible, God is on 
your side and there is a name that is above all names and if you speak that name to every situation and everything you go through you will find victory and I'm telling you because it is his name that is above all names that's why there is something about that name kings and kingdoms and governments and all these things will fall but the name of Jesus will never fall I just kept typing this one because I was happy about the name of Jesus. I can't explain everything that goes on in this world. But I do know this. We have an enemy that is up to destroy us. And the Bible says that he will blind. He's the God of this world who blinds people. John tells us in Revelation that he will lead the whole world astray. But we have victory. So when you're faced up against those situations that are overwhelming, when life brings everything and all hell is being loosed upon you, speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. I do it on purpose. I do it on purpose when I find people that are looking for God. I speak the name of Jesus. Why? So that their spirit hears it. And the Holy Spirit says, remember him. He's the way, the truth. And I speak it to people. Why do you think when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus? It's because it's not by our authority. It's by his. And I want you to remember what the Bible says. That the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. We are not walking around like members of the Vikings. We are not walking around praying, Lord, please don't let the goalposts move and I can make a field goal. We don't walk around that way. We walk around knowing that the game has already been won. We walk around and we know that we have already been promised victory. That nothing, no matter what happens at the end of the game, when the scoreboard reaches zero, we will look up and see we win, they lose. We win, the devil loses. We win. Oh, pastor, we're so far behind in touchdowns. Oh, look at the team over there. They got nice uniforms. They got all of the trainers. And look at they, they got a practice facility that's better than our church. Look at, look at all the people. Look at how big they are. The, the offensive line is huge. But we have a coach on our sidelines that is already guaranteed to win. And he says, I want you to get in there and I want you to have a little faith. I want you to get in there and I want you to, I want you to go and defeat the strongholds of the enemy. I want you to get past that offensive line that seems immovable. And I want you to go and sack that quarterback. I want you to go and clean victory, and I want you to go and get the things that I promised you. So I'm there on the offensive line, watching the ball, because I don't want to get called for, for intruding on the neutral zone. So I'm watching the ball, the ball's hiked, and I see this big guy, and I said, my purpose is I can win. And all of a sudden, I just go there, and he puts his hand on me. Okay, I give up. No! God said, go get it! 
And so I'm going to go in there. I might have to wrestle. I might have to fight. I might have to do some moves and spin. I mean, it might take a little work. But I know that the reward is always going to be there. That's the name of Jesus. That's the power that we have. And so that's why I'm not afraid of when things don't go my way. I'm not afraid of when it looks impossible because I know that there is a name that is above all names. His name is Jesus. And if we just don't give up, we're going to win. I was talking to Gary before church. I said so many times we give up too soon. We give up too soon. And we don't let God get the victory because we are so afraid it's not going to work. We give up and then we get discouraged. And then that's something the devil will begin to use. You remember last time you believed it didn't happen? You remember last time you prayed it didn't happen? And all of a sudden we start to doubt. But I'm not going to doubt. I will not doubt God when it comes to Genesis 1. I'm not going to doubt God when it comes to the Old Testament. I'm not going to doubt God when it comes to the New Testament. I'm not going to doubt God. Why? Because he is never lying. What does Numbers tell us? That he is not a man that he should lie. And that when he speaks, will he not act? When he prophesies, will it not be fulfilled? I'm telling you, God will never lie to us. And he told us that we are his children. We are his children. And he said, ask anything in my name and it will be done. I don't care if it looks impossible. I don't care if it seems too hard. We're going to win. We are going to win. Why do you think? I love the Detroit Lions because I'm a man of faith. <laughs> we haven't won anything. The one victory we had, we tied. And that wasn't even a victory. Thank the Lord for the Vikings to come along and give us that first victory. We haven't won since. Why? I just, I believe that we can win. I believe it. You know, when you, if you ever go to high school games, you know, they always got the chance. I believe that we will win. I believe, they always do that like this. 10 seconds to go and they're up by 40. Let's sing that before the game starts. Let's sing that when we are going through the hardest moments of our life. I'll tell you this. In 2014, I was going through one of the hardest years of my life. And that's when I decided to write a book of faith about what God can do. I wrote it and I decided to write that book. And it's just a personal book for me. It's not for publishing. It was just a personal journal, a document that says that I believe in my God who will never fail me, never leave me, never abandon me. That I believe that when he says he hears the prayers of the righteous, I believe that he is a father of compassion. I believe that he is the same yesterday, today, forever. I wrote that when I was going through the hardest moments of my life. Why? Because I will never doubt him. I will never doubt him because he's never lied to me. He's always spoken the truth. And we have victory. So you may be going through the hardest moments of your life. You may be going through tough times. Christmas isn't always fun for everybody. But we have a God that will never fail us. We have a God that will never abandon us. We have a God that will never lie to us. Why do we believe liars so much? Why do we believe liars? I, I remember this years ago. I had a some people moved to town, and um, I, I went to go visit them, and I asked them if they had, a, if they received the gift that I had given them. I gave them a little homewarming gift, and I left it on the porch. 
And as I'm walking up to the door, I notice that, that they're looking through it. They're looking through it. And, uh, and then they, they saw me coming, so then they quickly threw it inside. And I went up to them and I said, hey, did you guys get that housewarming gift that I gave you? I left it on the door. And they looked at me and said, no, no, no. What gift? I don't know. And I knew they were. I didn't hold it against them. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, that's not my job to judge. God would do that. And he's pretty good at it. So it's not my job. So I just loved them and moved on. Later on, they said they wanted to do something for the church. And the first thought was, can you trust them? So I just kind of waited and waited and waited. I was dragging my feet. And finally, I'm glad I waited. Why? Because they ended up doing something that was horrible. And they ended up leaving the church. I don't trust people who lie. Now, we all lie. We all make mistakes. We all sometimes bend the truth a little bit. My wife tells me I look good in the morning. I know she's bending the truth. But the thing is, is that we have suspicions when people lie to us. And what did I talk about a few weeks ago? That when the devil speaks his natural language, it is not filled with truth. There is no truth in him. That he speaks his language, and his language is lies. And Jesus said in John 8, 44, that he is the father of lies. How can we believe his thoughts more than we believe God's? Because he lies to us and tells us that we're not worthy. He lies to us and tells us that our father is ashamed of us. He lies to us and tells us that our father has abandoned us, that he'll never answer, that he'll never give you victory, that you'll never see change, you'll never see revival, you'll never receive the things that, that he's promised. How can we listen to that with our doubts and our worries and our concerns more than we listen to the one who's never lied? So I do believe in the name of Jesus. And I do believe in the power of Jesus. And I believe this, that our world responds to Creator. I want you to think about this that our world responds to, to the Creator. When Jesus was hungry, he goes up to the fig tree. And you know, there's nothing to eat that day, so he goes up, he's looking for a package of fig newtons. Couldn't find any. He says, You know what? You're useless, tree. May you never bring fig newtons to anyone again. And he curses it. And the Bible says immediately it withered. Immediately it was. Why? Because Jesus, according to John, was in the beginning and all things were made through him. So Jesus is speaking in the beginning. He's speaking creation. He was there. And John tells us, John 1 1, that, 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 or 1 3, that nothing was made without him. Jesus was personally involved in creation. And when God said, hey, trees, plants, grow, they did. They responded to the Creator. And so when Jesus comes to this victory and says, May you be cursed. The creation has nothing, no choice, except to respond to the voice of the Creator. I want you to think about that. Because Jesus said, ask anything in my name, and it will be done. If you do not doubt, if you do not doubt, you can say that this mountain will be thrown into the sea, and it will happen. And he tells us, have faith in God. Have faith faith in God. How come you're able to do these things, Jesus? Have faith in God. Stop doubting. 
just believe that God is able to do this. So here's what I personally believe about this world that we live in. We live in a very physical and a material world. It's all around us. We can see it. We can touch it. We live in a place that has matter, that has mass, that has things that we can see, touch, smell. But it was created by God and Spirit. And what does 2 Peter say? That we have the right to participate in the divine nature, in the spiritual kingdom. Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom here. You don't have to wait to go to heaven here. They are keys of the kingdom. And so what does this tell us? That when we pray, that's a spiritual act. And when we pray to a spiritual God, he will make it manifest in a physical realm. He will make it happen here. That's why prayer, that's why Jesus said, ask anything in my name. Because the one who spoke creation into being will speak life into your situation. Will speak miracles into your situation. Will speak change to the things that seem unchangeable. So I just challenge us today. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. He is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the one who gives us the power and the authority. And it is his name that every single demonic stronghold will bow to. It's his name that will give you the things you desire in him and according to his will. It's his name that is above all other names. So I challenge us. Let's be people. Let's be people. We're, we're probably going to be around family that, that don't know Jesus. Tell them about it. We're probably going to be facing situations in 2022 that we don't like. Speak Jesus to it. Speak authority to it. Speak life to it. Let's be people who have faith in God. Amen?